This morning, uh, Pastor Andrew Kavanagh is a pastor that's been with us for a long time, if you don't know him, and he's going to share with us this morning. Uh, and as he's coming up, we're just going to take up our tithes and offerings as well. And uh, I'm sure what you've seen there, I'm sure what you're hearing in prayer, you know, this is, these are the reasons why we give. We give because there's people to serve. We give because we want to hear from men of God like this that teach us how to pray and give us a great understanding uh, of the Word of God. And I'm really excited for Pastor Andrew's Word because it's going to touch on Scripture and how Scripture and the Word of God, the Bible, can be used in your prayer time to draw you closer to Jesus. And I know that this man uses scripture every day. Is there a day that goes by without it? Yep. There's not uh, a day that goes by without it? No. Barely, barely. barely. Uh, so yeah. he's the right man uh, for the job to share with us about that. You even have to carry your own cross here, your own <laughs> pulpit. Appreciate that. Thank you, Pastor Andrew. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for that introduction, Caleb. Text, context, and prayer. Now, quick show of hands. How many of you have sat through Bible Miners, the course we've run with me? Okay, oh, that's good. It's only about half a dozen of you. That's good, because this is going to do your head in. Because it's going to be different to that. Because we're not talking about looking at Scripture to instruct others. We're talking about looking at scripture to build our spirit, to be able to use as a foundation for our prayer life. And as you know, we've, we've seen, um, these things work better when you turn them on. Now, Pastor Caleb, in I think the first session on prayer, talked about finding these four key things, the space, the spot that gives you silence and solitude, scripture and speak. And I'm going to be focusing on the scripture, but I just sort of also want to share a little bit sort of about how this current series has challenged me. What's been happening with my quiet time in the morning is basically it goes something like this. The alarm will go off. I'll go downstairs, I'll make Sue and I a cup of coffee and then I'll come back upstairs and Sue and I will sit up in bed, do soap, pray, everything else, which is great. But the challenge that God laid on both of our hearts, and it was good that it was both of us because it would have been really awkward if it had only been just one of us, was... Don't sit together to do it. Get the uh, get a separate space each. So, so you know, the, the the discussion then becomes who gets to stay in bed, <laughs> and who gets to who who has to go and sit downstairs or sit somewhere else. And I went and sit downstairs. Sue and I have coped with it really, really well. Our dog has gone, can't cope thing and so yeah we've got a sort of barrack he'll come downstairs with me and so we'll have to barricade him downstairs because he's getting old and he can't get up and down the stairs and it's just really hard for him but just the difference that finding that time by ourselves has made has been enormous so I really encourage you even if you've got a routine be prepared to shake it up be prepared to do prayer differently 
Because it's really easy just to go through the motions, to get into a prayer habit that is nothing more than habit rather than it being something that's actually alive for you. Um, no, God's, the, the, and how scripture ties in with prayer is prayer is God talking with his people. The good thing for us is that God's been talking with his people for thousands of years. And we've got a portion of that that's been recorded for us in the Bible. So I don't know. I'm all about efficiency in what I do. So it's like a, if he's already said a bunch of stuff, then it would sort of be silly of us to ignore that and go, I'm just going to sort of start again. Like, no, let's build on what he's already said and see how the way he has challenged the way that he has interacted with his people in the past can challenge and inform us in how he wants to talk to us today. I'll give you an example. There you go. Soap. Now, I don't care what system you use to, to read the Bible. I use SOAP, which is on our church website. Um, about September every year, I go through and map out what the next 12 months is going to be. I've got it down to a bit of a, bit of a rhythm now. It doesn't take a huge amount of time. It's more maths than anything else. Like how many chapters, how many days, working out and making sure that I don't leave sort of breaks in stories in awkward spots, which is why sometimes there might only be two Old Testament chapters, sometimes there might be four. Now, I know Pastor Caleb and Pastor Peter use different programs to structure their Bible reading. Don't care. It doesn't matter as long as you're using something. Because what will happen if you don't use something is, well, there's probably two, two things that will happen. One, you'll just read the stuff that you really like. <laughs> because that's our human nature. It's like, I'm going to read the bits that I really enjoy that don't challenge me at all. That I find easy to read. Or we'll just run out of momentum. <laughs> it's like, a, oh. you know, the last thing you want to do, particularly if you do, do your Bible reading first thing in the morning like I do, the last thing you want to do when you first wake up is have to make a decision about what you're going to read. It's like, no, that's just too hard first thing in the morning, particularly if it's pre-coffee for me. I just... No, yeah, a few people going, yep, yep, I can relate to that. So it's good to have a plan, good to have a structure. So when would it have been? Wednesday? Thursday. Might have been Thursday. Um, we're reading Acts chapter 5. It was the, the chapter for soap. It's like, I don't know how many times I've read Acts chapter 5. It must be, I don't know, eight, nine, ten times. Lots of really familiar stories. But, no, give you a brief rundown. Um, the apostles have been arrested because they were preaching the gospel and 
the authorities didn't like them preaching the gospel, so they'd been dragged before the Jewish council to answer for the fact that they were talking about Jesus. Um, and they've just, no, they've pushed back a little bit and gone, well, no, we're just doing what God's told us to do. Um, which is interesting. Anyway, I could really get sidetracked there, but I won't. <gasps> Discipline, Andrew. Discipline. Um, and then one of the Pharisees, and it's really interesting that it's one of the Pharisees that says this, is going, look, can you get these guys to just step outside for a moment because we need to talk about something here. And this guy, Gamaliel, Gamaliel, I've never worked out how to pronounce his name, so that's encouragement for all of you, goes, look, we've had rebellions in the past. We've had people rise up and try and make something out of nothing, and it's just fizzled out. He goes, so here's my advice, and this is a Pharisee saying this, here's my advice, let's just let it, pan out, see what happens. No? If it's, if it's just of man, it's going to fizzle out like all the others have fizzled out. If it's God and we're opposing it, then we're opposing God, which is sort of against what we're trying to do with us. You know, the reason we exist as Pharisees. So he said, how about we do that? And they've gone, sure. Sounds like a good idea. So they, they got the apostles back in, go, you've been very naughty boys. They flogged them all, and off the apostles went. Now, you read through it and go, okay, they've been arrested, they've been dragged before the council, they've been flogged. I don't know, what would your response be to that situation? Personally, I'd be a bit miffed. It's like a, God, this has not been a good day. No. But you read the story and the apostles' response to being flogged was to leave the trial rejoicing. And you can look at it two ways. One, they were rejoicing because, hey, they hadn't been executed. That's a plus. Or two, and this, was, this is what Scripture actually records, they left rejoicing because they had been considered worthy to be persecuted. Now, if Pastor Zoe was here, I'd go, okay, give us your personal, psycho your professional psychological assessment of somebody who goes, hey, <laughs> I've been flogged. What a privilege. And we look at it today and go, little bit loopy. But they didn't. They have gone. Our master, Jesus, was persecuted. He was persecuted to the point of being killed. Wow. Isn't that an honour and a privilege for us to be able to follow in his footsteps like this? Now, don't mishear me. I'm not saying go out and get yourself flogged. What I got now, as I was praying about this particular passage was how often do we categorise events as positive or negative, good or bad, based on our framework, our agenda, 
rather than God's big plan. And when we stop and we look at things from God's perspective rather than our perspective, uh, one theologian that I've, I've read many years ago now described it as being the difference between a worm's eye view of the world and a bird's eye view of the world. God has a bird's eye view of the world. He's looking down going, I can see it all. I can see the beginning and the end, the, the whole big picture. We, from a worm's perspective, are going, I can see this massive mountain in front of me. And God's going, yeah, it's actually not that big when you get around it. And so we look at things from our perspective, we look at things from his, rather than from his perspective. So how did that then inform my prayer that morning? It was all about God help me to see things from your perspective, not to interpret what I'm going through through my agenda. Because if I was doing it through my agenda, I'd be miserable 90% of the time. Because I set a really high standard for myself. And I'm in a new job at the moment where the feedback I'm getting is, Andrew, don't do that. Andrew, when, next time you do this, can you make sure this? I'm getting lots of, this is not the way we do it here, Andrew, sort of feedback. Which is really hard. When you set yourself, when you like doing things well and you really, really hate making mistakes, really, really hard to process. And so getting a message like this from God was really, really timely in terms of encouraging me to be able to go, hey, don't look at it from the here and now. Look at it in terms of the big picture and what I'm trying to do and why I have placed you there in the first place. And all of a sudden, there's hope. There's encouragement. There's a reason to keep persisting and persevering. Prayer is a two-way street. Now, one-way prayer can operate in two ways. We can just sit perfectly quietly or go about our daily life going, God, if you want to say anything, I'm listening, just say something. And so we just never actually start the conversation. We just wait for God to, you know, finger writing on the wall or bolt of lightning or however it is that we expect God to actually talk to us and we wait for him to say something. Or, and this is probably more common <laughs> from what I've seen, is we just talk at God. And we just don't really give God, and I know Caleb in his previous messages has, has touched on this, we don't actually shut up long enough to give God a chance to actually answer what we're asking him. And the problem is with that is that God's not going to interrupt us. If we're talking, God's just going to go, okay, keep talking, keep talking, keep talking, rather than, oh, hang on. <gasps> I'll pause to take breath. 
like, okay, good, now I can get a word in and God will actually speak to us. We will have, if we've got... Okay, let's put this in a, in a way that most of us can relate. How many of you have got friends that when they start a conversation with you, you've sort of got to wait for them to pause and take breath for you to be able to jump in and give it a... It's <laughs> like... Must be really hard for the deaf because... Oh, hand cramp. Sorry. <laughs> yep. See, but even... Yeah. And it's just like... Hang, and how much do you not look forward to having conversations with those people? Or the people that fall into the first category I mentioned. That to get them to actually say anything is like trying to pull teeth. That's like our prayer life a lot of the time. No, the conversations we really love happening are where there's, no, there's to and fro, there's backwards and forwards, there's interaction happening. And you go away going, that was great. I really, really enjoyed that discussion because it was both of us. We both grew, we both learned from that. And that's what God wants from our prayer life. Not that God's going to grow and benefit from what we're saying, but he's going he's to rejoice at the fact that we're dialoguing with him and we're having that two-way conversation. So our prayer life needs to be two-way. Later on, I'm going to tie this back in with how we read scripture as well. But I want you to hold that thought. It's not just talking to God. It's talking with God. It's the same when we read the word, devotionally. Today, and this is what God does all the time for me. Today, soap was Psalm 83. And you're sitting there going, okay, I'm reading Acts chapter 5. And now I'm reading Psalm 83. And you sit there and go... Wow, okay, is God going to say something different? Let me... This is the challenge. Doing soap, reading, reading your Bible on your phone is really, I find really, really challenging. Not because I want to watch the English soccer highlights because, hey, nah, chewing glass would be a better option. Sorry, Caleb. <laughs> Today was really hard, really, really hard because local cricket yesterday was the semi-finals and I wanted to know who'd won, who'd lost and just really annoyed at a couple of clubs who haven't put the results up yet. But I had to wait till after I'd finished my quiet time with God before I looked. Psalm 81, verses 1 and 2. Oh God, do not remain quiet. Do not be silent, and oh God, do not be still. You think, oh, that sounds really good. For behold, your enemies make an uproar, and those who hate you have exalted themselves. And then it goes on, basically, and the psalmist there is... Psalm 83. It's all right. 
didn't need to go up. That's fine. It's like, hang on a second. I haven't touched the remote. Sorry. You sit there and go, hang on a sec. How does that tie in with what I got out of Acts chapter 5? What's the psalmist saying there? There's commotion going on on earth. So God, you've got to respond in like manner. No, there's lots of activity happening here. You need to get busy, God. I can imagine God going, really? Do I? So Caleb had us earlier had us praying the Lord's Prayer. No, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What the psalmist is asking here is for heaven to respond the same way as earth. He's gone, no, your will be done in heaven as it is on earth. And again, you sit there and go, what's taking over there? The psalmist's agenda. He's going, no, let's, come on. <laughs> Get busy, God. Do something. And God's going, I've got a plan in my sweet time. Just trust me. And again, you sit there and go, no, personally, no, I was, I've, I've been looking for a new job since June last year. Um, I think when I counted it up, I'd sent off about 95 applications. It's a challenge finding a new job when you're over 60. Not that age discrimination is legal, but it's a thing. And constantly, God was going, trust me, I have a plan, it's all going to be okay. Then I applied, you know, one of the many jobs that I applied for, about two days later, little message pops up, so-and-so, the company I'm now working, or the organisation I'm now working for, have viewed your application, gone, well, that's a start, at least they've looked. The following day, I get a phone call from the CEO. 25 minutes later, she's organised a Zoom catch-up the following day. The following Thursday, that was a Friday, the following Thursday, I had a contract. It's like it all happened in the space of almost, just over a week. You see, they go, okay, God, <sighs> timing. Your timing, your plan, not my agenda. My agenda, he would have given it to me in June. Well, so the vacancy wasn't there in June. <laughs> and again, that helps for the now, because it's like, okay, I'm here in this job. Why? Because it's God's plan, God's timing. God's... And the scripture and the prayer around that has been dovetailing in together so that I can just relax because God has my back. Okay. Let's look at some scripture. Romans 15 verse 4. For everything that was written in the past. Now this is Paul, the writer of about a third of the New Testament. And he's writing 
to a church that he'd never visited in Rome, going, here's a little bit about what I believe and how I approach everything relating to God so that you can get a handle on what I'm likely to talk about before I, uh, before I come and visit you on my way to Spain, as you do. No. If you're living in Israel, why wouldn't you go to Spain? Because it was a fairly dangerous journey back in those days. And he's gone for everything that was written in the past. So he's talking about what we would now refer to as the Old Testament. It was written to teach us. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So why was the old, what was the value of the Old Testament for Paul? Because it taught him about endurance. Why did Paul need to know about endurance? Well, I think in one of his letters he talks about the fact he was shipwrecked three times, he was flogged, I don't know how many times, he was imprisoned innumerable times. So, you know, he had a pretty rough run in terms of conflict with other people who were trying to stop him spreading the gospel. But he goes, what I, he goes, what I can learn from the Old Testament is just how they endured and the hope that comes from that endurance. There's a key in this. If your reading of the Bible leaves you feeling hopeless and discouraged, can I suggest you have a chat to somebody that maybe there's a piece that's missing somewhere in your processing of Scripture? Because it shouldn't. It should leave you feeling encouraged and with hope, not discouraged and without hope. So recognise that, hey, sometimes we need to tweak the thought processes we've got going on. Now, Paul goes on in one of his later letters. Um, he's he's actually, actually in his final letter where he's talking to his spiritual son, Timothy, not long before Paul was executed. Um, it's part of his final encouragement and exhortation to, to Timothy. Um, he writes that scripture is useful for a bunch of things and explains why it's useful and what end that usefulness serves. So let's have a look. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So what's the purpose of scripture? Let's unpack all those bits. Key concept number one. It is God breathed. Uh, In the prayer time this morning, Pastor Leanne read the verse from the New Living Translation. She must have been peeking at my notes. Because in my notes, I have New Living Translation says... It is inspired by God. See, 
Some people have a really, really weird idea about the Bible. Some people think that the Bible was dictated by God. No, that he's got the human writers of the Bible and he's gone, okay, pencil's ready. For those of you the old secretaries, pencil's ready, begin. Now, there are a couple of places where God does that, where God says, okay, write this down. Book of Habakkuk is one that springs to mind or Habakkuk, depending on what school you went to, uh, where he says, write down what you see. So that's fine. But a lot of the time, you see the personality of the individual writers coming through. You see their background. You see their experience coming through. Why? Because God just didn't overwhelm them with his Holy Spirit and say that they, so that they would know it's not automatic writing. It's inspired by God. They were inspired what to write. Gospel of John, in the last chapter of the Gospel of John, he goes, there's so much more I could have written about what Jesus did while he was here on earth. But all the libraries in the world wouldn't have been able to contain the books that would have been written. And you sit there and go, might be a little bit of hyperbole in there. <laughs> but what he's saying is that you know, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for John wasn't about what to write, it was about what to leave out. And so you sit there, because, hey, I don't know about you, but I've got a million and one questions of like, I'd really love to know what happened during this period of time and this period of time and what happened there and there's a whole lot of details and I'd really, really like you to have included God because it would help me understand it. And he goes, no, it was inspired by me. You've got what is needed in that passage. So it's inspired by God. It's not dictated. Now, you look at, and it's, this, is, this is no weird Bible nerd stuff. No, the width of vocabulary used by in Matthew, Mark and John in terms of the Greek vocabulary that they use is much narrower than it is in Luke. That's because for Luke it was a Greek. So Greek was his first language, so he's got a bigger vocabulary. Whereas for Matthew, Mark and John, it was their second or third language. So their vocabulary is a little bit narrower. Now, if God was dictating it all, you'd expect it to be consistent. It's not. It's something to consider. So, key concept number one, it's useful. It, 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 it's inspired by God. It is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. So for teaching, for instruction, the Greek word there is didaskalos. There you go. Why, hey, why worry about the Greek? Well, for some words it helps narrow down exactly what they were talking about. So it's for instruction. And sometimes we will read the Bible and it will instruct us. It will give us patterns 
purposes, tools to be able to navigate life. Not if we just read the words, but if we allow God to work on us while we read it. For rebuking, don't need, think I need to expand on that too much, is a conviction, evidence, proof. For correcting, now you sit there and go, you said, what's the difference between rebu- rebuking and correcting? I would have thought they're pretty much the same. If I'm being corrected, I'm being rebuked, aren't I? Now, correcting, it's a really, really interesting word. It literally means to stand back up straight again. <laughs> so, when you read correcting there, don't think about it in terms of telling you off and correcting your behaviour. Think of it more in terms of, I don't know, a chiropractor correcting your back. <laughs> it's getting everything back into alignment and straight again. Or Rogan giving you a really good massage and getting, getting your muscles working properly. And for training in righteousness. Why? Because we get to see what righteousness looks like. And what unrighteousness looks like. <laughs> no, that's the beauty. God works on those that learn from positive models. And he also works with those who learn from negative models. No, don't do this. So you've got examples of both right throughout scripture. So they all encourage us to pray more specifically. Key concept number three, it has a purpose. And that purpose is to thoroughly equip the servant of God for every good work. It's not to make you cleverer. The purpose of scripture is not to make you a Bible head. It's to equip you for every good work. God works with us to grow us so that we can do stuff in his name for other people. If your reading of scripture stops with you, I want to leave you with a challenge. That's step back and share it with others. And it's thoroughly equip you. So it doesn't leave anything out. It's all there. Interesting side note. Now, the Greek word that's translated as perfect in the New Testament, when we hear the word perfect, we think never makes a mistake. Is that right? Yep. Please nod. Give me some feedback. Yep, okay. That's when, the, when the New Testament talks about perfect, that's actually not what it's talking about. Perfect in the New Testament literally means being equipped with everything necessary to complete its purpose. So when the New Testament tells us to be perfect, what it's doing is encouraging us and reminding us that we have everything we need to do what God has called us to do. That's perfect. We've we have everything we, we need. Now, is that a little bit easier to live up to 
than never making a mistake? Yeah, just a little. No. And the fourth purpose, it is encouraging. As I said before, if it's not encouraging you to grow, then step back and revisit how you're doing it. Now, for many, as I mentioned earlier, many years I've taught classes on the processes and tools of interpreting scripture accurately. Um, one of my key points has always been that it relies not just on the content, but also on the historical and cultural context and the literary linguistic context. If we're trying to get an accurate understanding of scripture, then we need to look at all those things if we're going to teach other people what it means. If you're doing it for your devotional life, if you're doing this as the foundation for your prayer, that's less important. I find it hard personally to not think about all the historical context because I've immersed myself for so many years in it all. It's a bit hard to read it devotionally. Reading the Bible to inform your prayer life is a different exercise to reading the Bible to inform your understanding. I'll say that again. Reading the Bible to inform your prayer life is a different exercise to reading the Bible to inform your understanding. You're allowing it to examine you more than you are examining it. The context that's important in building on a foundation of scripture for your prayer is the context of what God is doing in your life now. That's the important context. And he may use understanding of the language used, understanding of the words used, understanding of what was going on historically at the time. He may use that. He does with me because that's the way he's wired my brain. But it's what is God trying to get through to you? What is the message he wants you to learn today? Now, again, I want to be really, really clear on this. I'm not saying you can make it say whatever you want it to say. People have taken verses out of context and made them say things that they were never intended to say. Worst case of that that I've read about was a, a guy over in the States who took the verse where Jesus says, unless a man hates his mother and father, wife and children, he cannot be my disciple as justification for divorcing his wife. You sit there and go, pretty sure that's not what Jesus had in mind. I'm not saying you can use it, you can abuse scripture like that. But God will encourage you and he will give you hope. So make sure that that's happening. So ask yourself, when you're reading your Bible, who is doing the examining? Is it just one way 
you examining the scriptures or is it two-way? You're examining the scriptures and the scriptures are examining you. Is it allowing you to be challenged? Are you allowing it to challenge you? So what I'd like to do at the end here, before I put, in your, put up the, uh, the application of what I would like you to do this coming week, is just to stop and ask yourself, what was the last challenge from Scripture that God impressed on your heart? And how long ago was it? Are you allowing Scripture to continually challenge how you go about your life? Just stop for 30 seconds and... I encourage you to do over the course of the coming week pick a short three to five verses scripture passage and meditate on it allow the passage to challenge you allow it to ask questions of you and how you do life I don't care which verse passage it is do that and then repeat it no, at least twice more during the week in the next week, three times, just allow Scripture to ask questions of you, not just you asking questions of it. Like normal, there'll be a go deeper section in the uh, in the newsletter during the week. Um, which will require you to use your computers. Just give you a heads up now. Thank you. I hope this has given you hope and inspiration on allowing scripture to inform your prayer life and challenge you on just how we go about life. Thanks, Pastor Kahn. That's excellent. Lord, we just um, bring our hearts before you, Lord God. Uh, Thank you, Father God, for your word Mm. that is true. Thank you for your word in the Bible that is alive and living, Lord God. We want to be people that are alive. We want to live life to the full. Lord God, we want to be alive in our walk with you. We want to be alive in our marriages, in our relationships, our workplaces, everywhere we go. And you've given us the word of God that is alive and living. Lord, let it breathe life into us, Lord. It wasn't just breathed uh, into words when the authors wrote it, Lord God, but it continues to breathe. The Bible continues to breathe life into us, Lord God. Forgive us for where we don't, again, prioritise you. We don't take the time every day 
to read a chapter, to read a psalm, to look at the scriptures and let it breathe life into us, Lord God. Forgive us for our busyness and our hurry, Lord God. We try to fit you in at the end of the day rather than starting with you as our priority at the beginning of the day. Lord, even if we don't know what to do, we can pick up the Bible and we can read and we can listen to its words. Anyone can start there. No one has to be an expert. Thank you for Pastor Andrew, such a gift to our church, Lord God. A man of the Word, a man who studied the Word, a man who lives this out, Lord God, that we have gifts like this within the church to help mentor us, help us grow, help us learn. Lord, we commit all of this to you in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Andrew. As always, if anyone would like prayer, please feel free to come forward. We have pastors that would love to pray with you. If this specifically is something that's really challenged you this morning, don't just leave. Come get prayer. Come join with someone. Really let God uh, do something in your heart. So as I mentioned, if you want to join a team, uh, go to the welcome desk at the end. And if any of you can remain for five minutes just to fill out this church survey, it would just be a great uh, help to us, but not only us, but the, the National Life Church Survey who surveys all churches in Australia every five years. All you've got to do is scan that QR code and then just do it in your seats there. Some of you have already done it. We've had 57 people do it. So if you've done it, that's cool. You can be the first in the coffee line. Uh, if not, we'd love it if you could just scan that uh, quickly and take a minute to do it. If you don't have an electronic device, um, you can also go to the welcome desk. We can help you there. If it's your first day in church, you've never been with us, you can still fill it out. We'd love you to fill it out as well. It's open to anyone. So bless you all. Have a fantastic uh, week. Love from us. Thank you.